Well, I'm Pastor Norm. I'm the lead pastor here at Mount Hope Church, the Hope. And I'd like to welcome everybody on this... What day is it? Father's Day. Do we have any fathers at the Hope today? A few of you? Why don't you, why don't you go ahead and stand if you're a dad? Yeah, we're not going to embarrass you too much. Billy Graham was quoted as saying, A good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. And quite frankly, when you look at some of the statistics, like for example, 90% of the people that are incarcerated didn't have an at-home dad, somebody in their life mentoring them. So here's what I want you guys to realize. You're important. You're important to your families. You're important to our society. You're important to our church. We could not do this, God's business, without you. I just want you to know that today. So would you bow your heads, extend a hand toward these men of God. Lord, we thank you again for each of these dads. And as I've already said, Lord, they are so valuable, so important to us. And it's our prayer today, Lord, that you would bless these men on this Father's Day. That you would honor them, Lord. That you would show favor on them. And they would realize, even within their own homes, just how important they are. And Lord, I pray a special blessing over each one here today. Give them all that they need to carry out these positions of importance. Whether it's in their home, in our society, in the church. Lord, bless them with all they need. Anoint them for such a time as this. This world needs strong dads, godly dads. And that's my prayer for these guys. And Lord, last but not least, we want to honor you because you are the ultimate father. Lord, we just give you all the praise, all the glory, for we wouldn't even exist without you. And we pray that you would just intervene in our lives today, Lord. Take this message that I've put together, put down on paper, Lord. I pray that you would take it and use it to bring you glory and praise and honor. And Lord, give us all ears to hear and eyes to see the things of God today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, and thank you again, men. Well, of course, what we try to do on the holidays is have the children come in with us, and the, the idea behind that is, is that they would actually spend the holiday with you instead of separated. And some people like that, some people maybe not so much, but that's the intent. So I, I hope that you enjoy uh, that time with your kids today and vice versa, children with your, with your parents today. Because they're here, and because we are a gospel, Bible kind of church, right? How many believe the Bible is God's Word? That we can trust it? It's inerrant? Okay. So with that in mind, and because the kids are in here, I just wanted to look at a few scriptures that speak about children and dads. You ready for this? Now, the kids might not appreciate this quite as much. I don't know. Well, let's start out with Proverbs, and I have this behind me, Proverbs 23, 24 to 25, and this is the message. Parents, rejoice 
when their children turn out well. How many can say amen? amen. <laughs> Versus the other way, right? You don't rejoice when they don't turn out well. Wise children become proud parents. So someday, kids, you're going to be a parent, hopefully. So make your father happy. Make your mother proud. How many parents in here today would say, I like that? And how many of you want your children to really acknowledge this today, all right? So point them back up there and say, read that. This is you. Make me happy today. Make me proud. I found it interesting as I, I just looked at a few different verses that pertain to parenting, that pertain to dads. And, and it's interesting that most of the scriptures, they don't actually give the parent the instruction. Rather, the instruction goes toward the child. What does that tell me? It says that we need to show our kids God's word. Because if they get it down in their spirit and they realize, like this one, if they realize what God expects from them, that it will make a difference. One of my uh, favorite verses, of course, is taken right out of one of the commands. Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life. Can you read this with me? Kids, read this with me. Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. God wants you to have the land. You're our, our next generation. You're going to be in the positions we're in today. You're going to be running this country someday. And the world. And God wants you to know that one of the most important things you do, the first is that you honor God. But the second is, is that you honor your parents. Your mom and your dad. What does that mean? Any kids want to... What does it mean to honor your parents? Anybody? I don't want to pick you, pick you out. Anyone like to suggest what it means? Obedience? Respect? All right. Can you give me a specific so the kids understand what this is? What's a specific example of honoring and being respectful? Do what you're told. How many times have we heard that? I remember my dad used to say it to me. Don't do as I do, do as I say. I've heard that. I don't think that's what the Bible was saying. We're supposed to live by example. But kids, when your parents tell you to do something, then do it. Go clean your room. Yeah, I'll get to it in two weeks. Some of you probably have that happened this morning. Make your bed now. And I want you. You know what I'm saying is true. Another strong example is Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. And then this brings out the, the command, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. How many want a long life on the earth? Then this is what you need to do. Honor your father and mother. It's so simple. And then verse 4, and I never liked that one too much as a dad. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So if you do it God's way, that's the correct way. 
Sometimes we dads can be a little harsh on our kids, expect a little more than maybe they're capable of giving, sometimes. And I believe what the Bible is saying there is, remember when you were being raised. How many enjoyed it when your dad stood over you with a big stick? Or the belt? Not too many of us. No, there, there are other ways that we can work with our kids and still get the point across, still be firm, but be loving. And that's, that's sometimes what was missing when I was being raised was I had the discipline, but the, the love often wasn't revealed at the same time. And men, you need to do both. If your kids know you love them, they're going to accept your discipline. All right? It's easy. It really is if you do it God's way. When God corrects us, we want to know he loves us too, right? Same thing is true with men. So just remember, these are just little nuggets that I'm throwing by it. And then here's a few more. The Bible gives parents the formula for success when it comes to raising children. Proverbs 22.6, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. All right? Listen, you, we're all human. And even though you've raised them in church for 18, 20, 25, 30 years, they still are going to leave the nest someday, and that's when they have to decide, is this real to me? They get to choose. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord or not so much. But I believe this. If you put it in them at the young age, someday they're going to come back to him. They might be 65 years old. That's not our call. It's between them and the Lord. But know this, when you raise up a child in the way he should go when he is old, he will not turn from him. Proverbs 19, 18, I'm just reading a couple more. And then, this isn't actually the message, this is the prelude. Discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. Children need to know there are consequences. If they do something stupid, there needs to be consequences. Right? If you just let them do the stupid things their whole life, they're going to think it's okay. That's what you're there for. You're not there to be their best friend when they're little. You're there to be their parent. Remember that. It's important. And then the last one I wanted to share, and this is two different versions of the same thing, Colossians 3, 20 and 21 in the, in the NLT. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. So how many want to please the Lord, kids? Kids? Yeah. Adults are raising their hand, too. All right, my mom is 87 years old, and she'd probably appreciate this. All right, I'll obey my mom. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Now, this is the same thing we just looked at, just from a different passage. The message says in verse 21, parents, don't come down too hard on your children, or what? You'll crush their spirit. And the last thing you want to do is to crush their spirit. You should be their biggest cheerleader. 
Your kids should know that no matter what they do, no matter how stupid, you're going to love them when it's done. You might be a little upset with them for a season, but you'll get over it, and you're going to help them get back on their feet and get moving in the right direction. That's our jobs. It isn't to beat beat them to a pulp so there's nothing left of them. That doesn't work. Love them. Encourage them. Yes, discipline them, but do it in love. And I believe that that's what the Lord would have me share with you on that part. There are many other passages that talk about how godly fathers should treat their kids and vice versa, but we don't have time for that. I want to shift gears here just a little bit because it's Father's Day. And and when I ran across this, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Now, I was looking at, I actually went to find out where this person was because I hadn't seen him hadn't seen any posts from them, and I thought, I wonder how this person's doing. So I Googled, happened to be a female, I Googled her name, a minister from Lansing, and as I was going through her page, this jumped out at me, and I felt like the Lord said, this is what I want you to do Sunday, and I'm like, oh, I like like it when he gives me a plan. How many can say amen? All right, so this pertains to you dads, however, It can be applied in anybody's life. I don't care if you're old, young, male, female, single mom, single dad, it doesn't matter. This will work if you practice it. And what I I thought was cool, and this is the cool part, the Navy SEALs use this seven-step process to achieve any goal. You can too. That's how it started. When I saw this, I went, oh. Seven points. Yes, we can do this. As you note, it's by Jessica Stillman. She was a uh, contributor. The article begins like this. When most of us civilians, most of us are civilians, hear about Navy SEALs capturing terrorists or pulling off hair-raising rescue missions, we stand in awe with their toughness. How many say, yep, Navy SEALs are bad. Yeah. But according to Rob Roy, a 25-year veteran of the SEALs and the author of The Navy SEAL Art of War, this isn't really all that important, but it gives his his credentials, being a SEAL, he said, is not about being the toughest guy. It's about being the smartest guy. I wanted to highlight that one. It's not about being the toughest. It's about being the smartest. Men? As followers of Christ, plant this one in your noggin. Because we often go after things with our bullish strength, and we often pay for it as a result. Think things through. Amen. I heard that amen in the back like she was being serious about it. This is our cue, men, dads. This is our cue. Roy goes on to explain that while SEALs are incredible warriors, and we wouldn't disagree with that, right? They still rely on careful planning and battle-tested approaches to their leadership. This is so important. As much as their sheer strength and their bravery. They need both of those. But the most important part of it is that they have a plan. And that's where I'm going with this this morning. He said, accomplishing jaw-dropping things is less about innate grit 
than you probably think, and it's more about the process. And then he gives the seven-step approach that Navy SEALs are taught in order to be a success out in the field. Before we look at them, though, let me ask you this. And I'm, I'm just trying to be raw today as much as I want to help you. Is there anybody besides me that ever prays to God and says, I need your help? Maybe, maybe it's that teenager, that daughter that is the biggest thorn in your flesh, right? She's not paying attention to what you're saying to her. She wants to do her own thing. You've raised her up in the Lord, but she keeps doing dumb things, and you're just sitting there going, how do I deal with this young female? I want to kill her. You know what I'm saying is true, and you can put your son in there. We had all boys. I, I don't know what it's like to have girls. I don't know what I'm missing. I, I'm not missing a thing. Who are you kidding? I, you don't know how many times I said, thank you, Lord, for giving me all boys. Hallelujah. We need women, girls. I know that. They're important, but... I'm just thankful I didn't have to raise them. <sighs> Maybe it's problems with finance. Maybe it's a problem with your marriage. That one that you said I do and I will forever. And it's only been a few years and you're already going, uh-oh. Let me tell you something. It's downright scary. In my opinion, it's downright scary being a dad. I believe that in all my heart because I've had days when I just wanted to sleep in. I didn't even want to get out of bed because I knew it was coming that day. And I knew what I was going to have to do. I'd like to look at the Navy SEALs approach, apply some of their techniques to how we, you and I, can be stronger dads, godly dads. And if I, if I can... Some of the things I've added, it's almost like Proverbs from Norm. I don't claim to be anywhere near as wise as Solomon. But I think the Lord kind of gave me these, and, and I think hopefully they'll help you. So men, are you ready for this challenge? Hoorah! Now that's the, that's the other guys. <clears throat> okay, number one, ask clarifying questions. But what do we do? I think I heard an amen from my own cheering gallery back there. <clears throat> In the military, it is essential to be clear about your objective. You need to know who the bad guy is and who the good guy is. All right? It's no different in civilian life. In fact, and there's a quote, it's impossible to achieve success if you don't first define it. It's impossible. You have to define what success is. And SEALs ask exactly what do you want me to do, who, what, when, where, how, the, the five what's, or the five questions. What is expected of me as a dad? What are my parameters? How many men like parameters? You like to know how, where your boundaries are, all right? Because if, if, listen, if we don't have boundaries, what happens? Oh, we go off. You know, somebody recently gave me some instructions, and, and she knew I was going to share this, but 
This, we've been cutting trees at my house. <clears throat> and uh, Pastor Norm never claimed to be a woodsman, a lumberjack, or anything related to wood. So I had this tree tethered. I had the, the rope tied off to a great big maple tree down the way I wanted it to go, and then I ratcheted it over, way over here, you know, with one of those come-along thingies. And then I took my, my new steel chainsaw, which I bought to do this job, because I have like 30 trees I have to cut. And I went to work. Now here's the mistake I made. I was alone. And my wife said, don't cut without somebody there. Did I listen? On the left is, is my house. And you, you can't really see it in this shot, so I'll give you a better one. It's okay. The, the bathroom skylight broke the fall. No, that's just up there. This is a 712 pitch, all right? This is 712. So I had to climb up the tree to get up to the top to start. I cut a little bit, moved down, cut a little bit, moved down. That's how I had to get the tree up the roof. And I did it before she got home because she went shopping. And I, You know what? <laughs> My son... Andy said, Dad, what was the first thing that went through your head? And I said, to be honest, I said, I didn't even have time to think. I was cutting it, next thing I know, I look, and it's on my roof. That's when the, the thought flooded my mind, you're dead. <laughs> and Barb had just texted me, I'm going to Myers if you need anything, and I'll be home. I'm thinking, I've got maybe an hour at the most. And I did. I, I shim you should have seen me. I was faster than a woodpecker. <laughs> I got that thing down. When she came home, all she saw were the two crushed patio chairs, which were really nice. Some of our deck was not like it was when she left. And then, of course, this. Uh, I had to order a new <clears throat> skylight, which still remains to be put in. Gary, I need your help. <laughs> um, this is dead stuff I didn't listen to wisdom and this is the kind of trouble we get in uh, I just thought I'd share that I'm human anyway ask the questions who should get the bulk of my attention it, it, quite frankly you know, in this case, I should have listened to my wife. But Barb and I have always, always had our priorities. And you've heard us say this before. And, and they're really, they're, they're biblical priorities, I believe, uh, that can be backed up with Scripture. But the first one is what? God first. Listen, He's got to be number one in your life. All right? You cannot be a success, Dad, Anyone without God, without Him. Number two, family is second. Your family, I mean, what good is it if you win the world but you lose your own soul? 
What good is it if you win the world and you lose your family? You're responsible for their health. As, as the head of the house, the priest of the home, it's your responsibility to take care of them. That includes your marriage being strong, because if your marriage isn't strong, you know what? Your kids are going to be a mess. Because they see that, they know it. They, how, many kids, how many parents will agree, your kids have a sixth sense? And whenever you're fighting, they know it. And that's usually when they needle you the most. Am I saying the truth? All right? Um, their spiritual health. Find a great church. A church they can get involved in. And then, of course, their physical health. And, and your job is, Dad, to support your family in whatever it takes. And that includes working for most of you. All right? And I threw this scripture up. 1 Timothy 5, 8, those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the truth faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. That's pretty clear. Don't be lazy. Now, there are some situations where the wife's actually making more than the husband, and the dad's a great mom in a sense of taking care of the kid or kids. That's okay. I, I'm not coming against that in any way. What I am trying to say, though, is, dads, if you're the main income giver, then get out there and get a job. Number three, the church. It's so important that we all realize God first, then the family, and then we find our place in the church. Some discount this last one. Ah, they don't need me. Yes, we do. We cannot do... Do you know that the number one thrust behind missions over this last century was the church, the local church. Were it not for the local church, if it had just been, well, everybody's going home, they're just doing their own little thing, off in their own little houses, if that were the case, we wouldn't have had the missions thrust that we've had this past century. Do you know how many people are in the assemblies of God today as a result? 70 million and most are in Africa and South America. Yes, because of your giving to the local church and then sending your kids. We've got a couple in this church today, I think. Chelsea? Where's the other ones? Samantha? Abby? Samantha? Whatever. Sorry. Have I done that to you before? Yeah. That's, I get it locked in there. Abby, listen, these kids are going to missions. They're going to Guatemala. Don't, don't try to even put that in there. It'll stick. Ephesians 4 details this whole process, but I'm not going to go there today. So God first, then the family, then the church. It's easy. This is God's priority. Number two, you need to identify your resources. You have to know what you have to work with, right? This is important. Your resources include your financial income, but there's so much more. What's your skill set? Mine is not cutting trees. <laughs> Amen. Know your shortcomings. And don't, this is important. Don't try to be a know-it-all with your wife and kids. There's nothing worse than somebody that's always right even when they're not. 
Admit your weaknesses and find people who can help you in those weaker areas. Pride comes before a fall, right? The greatest leaders aren't those who do everything, but they're the ones who find the right people to help them in their weak areas. Next, who do you go to? If and when you get in over your head. In my case, is he here? No. I called Nate Roberts because he's the manager at Lowe's. <laughs> Nate, I need a skylight yesterday. And the brother found me one, or one of his employees. I don't recommend you call him. I told him this too. I said, I've never done that in, in all the years I've been pastoring. That's my first 911 call. Because I knew what was coming when that Impala pulled in my drive. <laughs> Maybe it's your dad, your coach, your grandpa. Maybe your pastor, your teacher, a friend. Don't wait till you're in hot water to have a list of people that you can call on. Get them first. And include some godly men and women in there. Don't, don't have them all be heathens, okay? Sometimes it's all right to use a heathen, but you know what I mean by heathen? Unchurched, all right. And know this, that not everyone is a good listener. Yeah, right. Find people that'll listen. You know, if, if the person you're trying to tell your woes to never shuts up, that's kind of a clue. This might not be the person that you want to share with. And don't unload on your wife too much. I found this out the hard way, but you can wear her out. You know, it's all right to share some things with her, but don't get to the point where you wear her out. Find somebody who you can share with from the deep places in your heart. Men, we seem to hold things in more than women. I'm not sure why that is. It's just the way God created us. But that also means that when we release it, we feel better. So you have to have somebody in your life that's safe. Somebody you can tell anything to. The deepest places in your heart. And listen, this is true for all of us. We all need this, don't we? Because if you carry a load, what happens? Eventually it's going to affect you negatively. So find somebody you can share with. And I don't ever want to discount the Holy Spirit. You know, he's our counselor. And listen, he can guide you. As you're reading through Scripture, he can point something out or he can download something into your heart just like that. So if you have all these in a row, all these arranged, then you're going to be in good shape. The bottom line is know your resources. And this, this verse I put up here that you can look up later, Luke 14, 28 to 33, this is where it actually talks about the king. Before he goes into battle, what's he going to do? Count the cost. He's going to know what his resources are, all right? Before a, a builder goes to build his house, he's going to figure out how much he needs and what it's going to take. And the same is true for us, so we need to know where we're going. Know your resources. Number three, clarify the roles and responsibilities. This is so important. Before SEALs go on any mission, they make sure each person knows their role. From machine gunner to medic, 
what each must accomplish and when. This is very important. You most likely won't need a machine gunner in your life. If you do and you're not military or police, you should probably find another means of, of income. Ask the question, what do you expect from your wife? Does your wife know what you expect from you? Did you know that communication is one of the biggest issues in marriage? Second only to finances, and a lot of times the reason the finances are iffy is because they're not communicating about them. Figure out who in your family is going to do the finances. And, and don't just say, oh, it's the man. No. It should be the one that knows how to do numbers. I tried in my house for a while. I messed it up so bad it took my wife six months to figure it out. And I never took it back after that. Hallelujah. Another area that's a must if you want your mission as a dad to be a success is consistency. If you waffle back and forth with what you expect from your children or your spouse, this results in chaos and frustration. But by deciding ahead of time how you're going to discipline the kids or how you're going to run the finances or who's going to run them, your marriage and your kids will be better for it. And listen to this. You want your kids to be stable? Then you need to be consistent. Because if you tell them one thing and your wife says something else and you're not both on the same page, what's that say to the kid? You guys are messed up. Say the same thing. Listen, you may have to get behind closed doors, go for a ride, go for a drive, on a date night, talk about how you're going to raise your kids, but you need to come into agreement on how you're going to do it. And then stick with the plan. And when your kids see this, what does it do? It strengthens them. And they feel safe. Whereas if, on the flip side of this, if you're always arguing about how you're going to do whatever you're going to do, however you're going to do it, what does that say to your kid? There's no peace. There's always this tension in my house. and You know what's going to happen? Those kids are going to be just like that. You don't intend it that way, but it happens. So you want peace in your house? Be, say it with me, be consistent. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Finally, <laughs> give your kids responsibilities. Now listen, I'm not suggesting that you take your five-year-old out, say, all right, son, get on that tractor and get out there and mow the lawn. They probably liked you, but don't do that. No, but have them clean their room, put their toys away. You know, start with little things. What does it do for them? Builds their self-esteem. It helps them to feel like they're a part of the house. They're a part of the big picture. And you can obviously grow those responsibilities. Have them do the dishes. In most homes, have them put them in the dishwasher. Ooh, that's hard. Don't wait till they're 18 years old to give them responsibilities. We see the results all around us. So be sure everyone knows his or her responsibility. Number four, focus relentlessly on your goal. How many have goals? 
Anybody? Everybody should. <laughs> Our pastor used to say this, Dave Williams. He said, if you don't have a goal, you're going to hit it every time. It's true. If you're not aiming for something, you'll hit it every time. What do you want to achieve? What do you want your retirement to look like someday? Don't ask me that because I didn't follow this example. When you're young, you should have goals set. I'm a, kind of a late bloomer. I've always wanted to get my master's, and I'm finally going to do it at the age of... <clears throat> and it, it's not because I'm going to be any more bright for you. It's because I feel like this is what God's told me to do. How many know it's kind of important you do that? I just want you guys to know, though, that, that you need to set goals or you'll hit it every single time. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella, I think I'm saying that right, she said, all good leaders take responsibility for outcomes, whatever the circumstances. This means there's no room for excuses. Many of us are really good at making excuses. Instead, one must remain focused on his or her goals, and when the ship, when, the light, when life, when your family veers off course, instead of freaking out making excuses, you find a way to get it back on course. That's the idea of having goals. When you realize you're not on course, you can readjust. One of my things that I'd really like to get for my boat someday. It's not going to be this year because I'm getting my master's. But that's what Barb said to me. She said, okay, you can get a new boat or you can get your master's. I want you to know I took Troy's like, why didn't you go for the boat? Anyway, hey, my boat still floats. But this Minn Kota iPilot, have you ever seen those? You put this watch on your hand, and you dial it in where you want it to go. You, I, want it, I want to drive to Al. He's on the other side of the lake. He's on that beach over there. That's, that's where I'm going. I, I lock it in, and that iPilot will take me there. If the winds are blowing, you know what it does? It adjusts. It increases speed. It decreases speed. If it starts getting crazy out there and the boat's doing this. It doesn't care. It finds its way back to where I wanted to go. That's why we need goals. It's like an eye pilot. And it pulls us back. You know the Holy Spirit will do this for you too. If you let them. But you have to turn them on. You know what I mean by that, right? You got to listen. Hallelujah. Roy explains it like this. He said in the SEAL teams, what we'll do is we'll say, hey, we're going to go get Bin Laden. I hope it's all right that I'm using this. And one of the first questions that they always ask is, how many people do you think you can do the mission with if the helo crashes? Now, you little younger kids probably know what a helo is, but he's talking about a helicopter for you old folks. If you don't play video games, you might not have known that. In short, never let your circumstance turn into excuse. Life happens. Unexpected bills come in. 
unexpected babies, sickness, taking care of an aged parent, car breaks down, etc., etc. None of these things should cause a failure for us, Dad. It just means we have to get to our goal a little bit different. So don't have a list of excuses why you can't. Rather, live by what the Apostle Paul told the church in Romans 8.37. No, despite all these things, say it with me. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Right? You don't sound very convinced. Last week I said that once we're born again, we take on the DNA of God. The same is true for our excuses. With God on our side, there are no excuses. Romans 8.31b, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Number five, think through all possible contingencies. Roy offered this example. You need to constantly think about what is the next thing to do in that situation. Because again, at the end of the day, you have to be able to accomplish your mission. In other words, be prepared. So many of us just go through life by the seat of our pants. You wonder why you're freaking out about life and you have no plan. Have a contingency plan. Answer the, if this were to happen, what would I do? How would I get through it? Some people are better at this than others. We know that. And this might be one of those areas where you need to find somebody to help you. We have preppers today. And I'm not suggesting that you go to the lengths that some of these guys or ladies do. But some people have enough food and water and ammunition and whatever for a year to two years to three years. I wouldn't make that public if I were you. Because where do you think they're going to go? <laughs> but here's the thing. We should be prepared what if your power were to go out? I mean, we live in Michigan. And we had a tremendous storm this year. How many got locked up for two, three days? You know, I hadn't seen that in a while, and although it didn't affect us too much. They, they say that most modern families have about 30 days' worth of food. You might be getting down to, like, the crackers and stuff by the end, but most of us have about that. But have the water backed up. You know, what about you young guys, and, and I wished I'd thought more of it when I was younger, and I do have an insurance policy, but every young guy, if you have a family, you should have term life. And when you get it at the age of 20, it costs you like five bucks a month. Not, not really, but it's cheap. Compared to if you wait till you're 50 or 60 to get it, it's going to cost you like 500 bucks a month. So be smart. Get yourself a term policy so that if something were to happen to you or your wife, you can't go both ways, you've got the income to raise your family. You don't have a hardship. Just, just smart stuff. Think through all the possible contingencies. Then when these detours pop up, and they will, you will be better prepared to handle them without having to completely change course 
or get psychiatric care. There's nothing wrong with psychiatric care. I'm trying to prevent it. Always keep in mind, last part of this, expect the unexpected. All right? I'm getting close to the end. Number six, train until you're stress-proof. <laughs> okay, you have your goals, you know where you want to go, and you've assigned everyone roles. You've talked through the plan, even the what-if-something-goes-wrong contingency. Now it's time to train. It's time to train. When you do something over and over, it becomes a part of who you are, right? For example, when you get in the habit of praying in the morning or doing your devotion, if you do it every day, if you don't do it, what's going to happen? You're going to go, something's missing. The older I get, and I know you older saints are going to say, uh, amen. The older I get, the more I have to do things in a routine. As soon as I get up, now I've got like 10 things I do right in a row, because if I don't, either I'm going to miss my heart medicine or the dog isn't going to get fed. <laughs> either one of those could be bad. All right? So I've learned if I do everything, and, and the best part is when I do things in order and a routine like that, I get better at it. I get more efficient. Man, I can bust through that list that I have in probably about 10 minutes. And I try, I actually do this. Not, not my devotion, but the rest of it, the, the other stuff, you know, getting up, splashing water on my face, brushing my teeth, all that kind of stuff, getting my coffee, <clears throat> number one. The athlete that trains does so to improve him or herself. Eventually, you'll be able to go through your routine blindfolded, almost. I've watched how the police train in their different scenarios so that when and if a bad guy pulls a gun and starts shooting, they aren't standing there going, now what do I do? You know what I'm saying? They're trained to evaluate in split-second timing the best course of action. And I've been with these guys, and trust me, I am thankful I'm a chaplain, I'm a pastor, and I'm not a trooper. Because these guys have got to be on their game all the time. They have to know, do I retreat and call for backup, or do I stop the assailant before somebody else is harmed? Those are the kinds of things that are life and death, and they can't waffle on what the, the, their response is going to be. Hear this. Most troops who go through the academy, and I've talked to quite a few of them, they aren't all that geeked about having to go through their paramilitary academy. It's a six-month training, and they treat them just like they do at boot camp. For six months, they're regimented. Every morning, they're up at the same time. They do specific things all day long, and they put into them over and over and over. This is how you're going to respond when this happens. This is what you're going to do when this happens. Most of these guys do not like that particular training, but when they're out in the field years later and they're faced with one of these life and death situations, immediately they know what to do because of that training they had way back when. And what I'm saying to you is it's so important that we train ourselves how we're going to respond to these life and death situations. And I'm talking in your own families. How many have somebody that's near death right now? They could go any day. We just had one of our saints lose a brother this last night. What are you going to do? 
Have a plan. Know how you're going to respond to it. It'll make life that much easier. Are you still with me? As Christian men of God, we should be so trained on how to handle stressful situations that when the challenges happen, we look at them, we take a deep breath, and we say, not today, devil. Who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So as a believer, you just got to realize fear has no grip over us. Those who are going to defeat this world are those who believe Jesus has already taken care of it. We've got that victory. Last one, final one, number seven, an after-action review is what he calls it. You, you've reached your goal. Then there's this final step. It's known as debriefing. How many have heard that term before? This is where you look at how your team, or your family in this case, went through a certain event and then evaluate what went wrong, if anything. Maybe it didn't go wrong so that you can prevent mistakes from happening again in the future. It's not about laying blame on people. That's not what debriefing is. It's learning from your mistakes so that you don't keep doing them repeatedly. Earlier I used, you're, you're frustrated with your daughter, probably a teenager. And you're like, what do I do? And maybe you dealt with it in the way you thought you should. And maybe it wasn't the best way. Well, what do you do with that? You let the dust settle. And after you let her come out of her room, because you probably grounded her for six years, you let her come out early, because you know that's not normal. And you sit down with her and you say, look, can we talk about this? What happened? And you work it out. You have that conversation. How can I do this? How can I be your dad next time better? If there is a next time. You see how that would work? Now, if your child is three, it's probably not going to work so well because they're still trying to figure out to put this one in front of this one. But with the kids growing, it does work. Six, seven, well, your, your kids, their intelligence is, you know what it is. All right, you figure that out. Figure out what's, what went wrong. For Christians, this is a great place to ask for forgiveness. Probably the best place. Hey, I'm sorry that I, I blew up at you. Will you forgive me? How many know dads sometimes lose it? Troy, don't raise your hand. <laughs> but I'm telling you right now, from my perspective, whenever I have, it's always been out of love. And that, that's the final thing. Never, ever lash out at your child in anger. That will put you in jail. Calm down. Do that. Maybe three of those. Depending on how bad the situation is. Take a deep breath. Ask the Lord for your help. Lord, <laughs> you said you're the counselor. Counsel. <laughs> and the last part of this is, it's also a great place to celebrate the win. What went right? 
How many know that when coaches win a game, when the team wins a game, what do the coaches do? Next week we're going to fight this team and you guys need to step up even stronger next... No! Celebrate the win. Hey, you guys did an amazing job tonight. You were rocking out there. Man, I'm so proud of every one of you. Ah, high five. Ah. And then you tell them, next week. No, no. <laughs> Celebrate the wind. Don't just move on to what's next. And if you had a conversation with your son or daughter, teenage or what, whoever, <laughs> and it went well, stop and say, you know, that was pretty cool how God intervened and helped us. I like that. I like having that communication open with you. Because one of the things we lose when our kids get older is the communication. And I think that's where we lose their respect. Because they don't feel like we value them anymore. Don't be their friend. Be their parent. But eventually, you know what that's going to lead into? I fish with my 35-year-old son all the time. Whenever we can get out. Why? Because we're friends now. You know, I'm still his dad but I'm not over him like some of you guys are, the younger parents here today. So just keep this stuff tucked away in the back of your mind. And if, if somebody can uh, come up and play softly, that would be wonderful. Would you stand with me? Oh, would you look at that? It's 12 o'clock exactly. Oh, my. Happy Father's Day. So I'm going to really... There's hardly going to even be time for anybody to play, but Sarah, I just wanted to hear you. In conclusion, when I see that our family has accomplished a big win, I really do like to give God the glory because He deserves it. And I think it blesses Him when we remember who our source is. So dads, when you've gotten a win, maybe it's a bonus or whatever, maybe it's something happened good in your family, one of your kids got great grades, give God the glory. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you for helping us with this, getting us through another tense moment, but on the other end, your peace is still with us. Hallelujah. He loves that when we do that. Why do I give him the glory? Because I know I can't. Without him, I can't do anything. But through Christ, I can do all things. That's right. I missed that one. That's all I have. I'm hoping that this helps you to be the spirit-led men that God's called you to be. I'm trusting that God didn't just give me this for nothing. <laughs> that you can take this out of here today and share it with your kids and your grandkids someday. Father, we are again humbled to be called by your name, Christ Shin. We are Christians. Lord, we are believers in Jesus. He paid the ultimate price so that we would have life and life everlasting. And Lord, I pray that abundant life would also be within our families that are represented here today. Bless each one, Lord, as only you can. Give these men all that they need to be the mighty warriors, the dads, the lovers of their families that you've called us to be. 
Help us in the thick moments and thin. Help us in the dire moments and the good. Lord, help us to be strong as we go through this life, to be victorious in Christ and through Christ. Because we apply Scripture's principles. We live according to the kingdom rules. Lord, again, I pray favor on these men and their families. I pray that you bless them, keep them safe, and they're coming and going. And we just commit the success of each and every dad in this house. Those that are watching online, Lord, we commit them into your hands. May they be a success for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just finish with this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to know him, you come and see me, and I'll introduce you to the king that saved my life back when I was 23 years old. With that said, God bless you. Enjoy your dads today, and dads, have a great day.